Section 28 of American Scenery, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. American Scenery, Volume 1 by Nathaniel Parker Willis. View of Faneuil Hall and Adjacent Buildings, Boston There are very few remaining of the many-covered, gable-ended, top-heavy old houses which constituted the compact center of Boston in the days of English governors. The finest specimens long stood in the neighborhood of Faneuil Hall, but with one exception, we believe their picturesque heaps of triangles have dropped beneath the merciless hand of speculation and improvement boston has not grown so thriftily or rather so miraculously as the capitals of other states through which the flood of immigration rolls more directly but it is certainly the handsomest town in the united states and probably its prosperity is more permanent and solid its granite houses and fine public buildings are in strong contrast with the description given of it by john jocelyn gent who visited it in sixteen thirty eight and afterwards favored the world with his observations under the title of new england rarities having refreshed myself for a day or two on an island in the bay he says i crossed the harbor in a small boat to boston which was then rather a village than a town, there not being more than above twenty or thirty houses, and presented my respects to Mr. Mothrop, the governor, and to Mr. Cotton, the teacher of Boston Church, to whom I delivered from Mr. Francis Quarles, the poet, the translation of several psalms in English meter for his approbation. A facetious bookseller, John Dunton, visited boston some fifty years afterwards and in a book upon his life and errors gives a humorous account of its inhabitants in his time the passage which is now commonly made in from sixteen to twenty-five or thirty days occupied the unfortunate bibliopole four months and he was reduced at the latter part of it to one bottle of water for four days when we came within view of boston he writes we were all overjoyed being just upon the point of starving we put off to land in the longboat and came ashore near the castle which stands about a mile from boston the country appeared at first a barren waste but we found humanity enough when we came among the inhabitants we lodged the first night at the castle and next morning we found our way to boston bay over the ice which was but cold comfort to us after we had been stowed up so many months in a cabin the air of new england was sharper than at london which with the temptation of fresh provisions made me eat like a second marriott of gray's inn the first person that welcomed me to boston was mr burroughs he heaped upon me more civilities than i can reckon up offered to lend me monies and made me his bedfellow till i had provided lodgings dunton's book would have been sold merrily in our scandal-loving days its personalities are delightful the following list of his acquaintance 
is as good as a portrait gallery mr phillips my old correspondent he treated me with a noble dinner and if i may trust my eyes is blessed with a pretty obliging wife i'll say that for sam after dealing with him for some hundred pounds he is very just and as an effect of that very thriving i shall add to his character that he is young and witty and the most beautiful man in the town of boston the next was mr king love was the cause of this gentleman's long ramble hither sure his mistress is made of stone for king had a voice that would have charmed the spheres he sang all hell to the myrtle shades with a matchless grace another acquaintance was mr york he had his soft minutes as well as other men and when he unbent his bow for he was very industrious he treated the fair sex with so much courtship and address as if loving had been all his trade i passed to my good friend dr bullivant both a gentleman and a physician as a gentleman he came of noble family but his good qualities exceed his birth he never practices new experiments on his patients except in dangerous cases where death must be expelled by death this is also praiseworthy in him that to the poor he always prescribes cheap medicines not curing them of a consumption in their bodies and sending it into their purses nor yet directing them to the east indies for drugs when they may have better out of their own gardens i proceed in the next place to mr gouge a linen draper from london he is owner of a deal of wit his brain is a quiver of smart jests he pretends to live a bachelor but is no enemy to a pretty woman dunton winds up his list with an apostrophe to mrs comfort the married daughter of his landlady you may well take it amiss he says if i should forget your favours to me in your father's house your pleasant company to ipswich your assistance when i was ill and the noble-looking glass you sent my dear and all with a world of innocence kind boston adieu part we must though tis pity but i'm made for mankind the world is my city look how on the shore they hoop and they halloo not for joy i'm gone but for grief they can't follow end of section twenty eight